AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrantz, palbociclib. Ibrantz 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrantz and visit Ibrantz.com. Ibrantz may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrantz may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrantz, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're tuned in to the Gangster Chronicles podcast with James McDonald, Reggie Wright Jr., and Kavaro Yohanna on the Digital Soapbox Network. You don't kill me. Because you think you're something new. I've seen guys like the Mojave. It's filled with bright boys that want to shoot their way to the top of the class. You think I like vision? It's the other way around. Matter of fact, I'm having a vision right now. You are going to wake up one morning with your best part stuffed into your mouth. I'd like to welcome everybody to another episode of the Gangster Chronicles. My name is Big Steel with my host, James McDonald. And we got a special brother here tonight, man, all the way from Harlem, world famous Harlem. My boy Cavario, what's cracking with you, bro? Man, everything is everything, loved one. I'm just had, I'm happy to be here and honored to be amongst men. Oh, for sure, man. I'm, I'm glad that we have you in here, man. I'm a big fan of um, Don. I'm a big fan of Don Diva magazine, man. Huge fan. I probably have about 50. Um, I probably have 50 of the uh, magazines in my closet right now. That's crazy. My wife always gets mad and tells me, "Why don't you throw those magazines away?" I got you know, you guys, man, the source in there. You know, just classic magazines, man. I figured they'd be a value one day. Well, the thing is, brother, the information that was captured in Don Diva magazine, um, it's only chronicled there. There's nowhere else that that, there's no other historical record. And, you know, I, I spent my time in the midst, like like really in the, um, the, the point of uh, birth for a lot of things during the time of doing that. So the stuff that I got was very like firsthand and 
it doesn't exist anywhere else but in my publication or my former publication. So, you know, it's valuable in that you won't find that information anywhere else. And, I, and it's definitely full of information, not just stories. Exactly. A lot of, a lot of information. And um, I won't lie, when I first started thinking about the original like premise for the Gangster Chronicles, Don Diva Magazine was one of my blueprints. You know, it was one of my blueprints. I kind of took a blueprint, a huge blueprint from Don Diva, and I always give people their credit, you know. Um, from Don Diva, from um, the, um, what was the guy, Gerardo Rivera. Mm -hmm. Just the whole investigative type of journalism thing. And so I wanted a specific skill set when I was looking for the host, you know what I mean? I wanted a specific, you know, skill set for it. So I'm, like, talking to my glass, talking to Glasses Malone, and um, I'm telling him, I'm like, man, I got an idea for this show. And we kind of just started perfecting it. And so I'm like, man, I'll probably never be able to find a host that can pull that, you know, pull that type of thing off. So I'm looking at YouTube one day and uh, I see this guy right here. And so I'm listening to his story. And usually I look at something, you know, you look at people, you kind of get numb to media, you know. So I usually look at something for the first two or three minutes and just kind of just whatever. Right. But um, it's like... Um, I'm looking at this guy right here, and it's almost like I got a window into his soul. It was just like, like I was. It was almost like he was having a conversation with me, but it was through the screen. I was listening to it, and I said, "That's the guy right there." So I got to go find him. And when I get in that mode, like I got to find somebody, I usually I'm usually successful. That's right. So you know, here we go today. Um, Damn, I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> I can honestly, I can honestly say I don't look at myself like that. I don't, I don't. All of this, it happened, but I'm not taking myself to be big-headed or none of that other shit like that. I'm just... The nature of a thing is the nature of a thing, man. Yeah, I'm soaking it in. I'm, I'm loving it. And, I mean, it's good for me. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful like thing. That's cool, man. And, so, you know, so in you forming Don Diva, man... How did you come up with that concept? Like, what was your thought? I'm going to start a magazine, and I'm just going to be about the illest gangster shit ever? Like, like, what was the premise, man? You know, it's interesting, right? There's a lot of stories from what I've heard really in the periphery because I don't pay attention to the bullshit, but about how the magazine came to be. And there is stories where somebody uh, implied that it was their idea. It's the furthest thing from the truth. It was no one's idea to create Don Diva magazine mm -hmm. at all. I write about that, uh, the, I call it the accidental birth of a brand mm -hmm. um, in the beginning of this. This is the Don Diva book, Old Gangsters and Young Guns. And to give you a brief synopsis without giving too much away in that particular thing is um, the product that people thought was a magazine was really a promo for mm -hmm. an entertainment company that uh, we intended to go into film and television. That's why the first logo that I created was a half a film reel and half a CD, or half a CD and half a film reel. So if you take a circle, cut it in half, you got a D. Make a, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. boom, half the CD, boom, half the film reel. Mm -hmm. Entertainment. So all of the first magazines say Don Diva Entertainment because that first promo we made for the Don Diva Entertainment Company, that's what the logo was on it. So when people thought it was a magazine, they started asking, yo, when are going to do another magazine? I was like, oh, uh, this was December of 99. Oh, next month. And January 2000 was our first actual conscious, deliberate effort to create a magazine. Let's go. Hold on one second, man. Let me pause this, man. It ain't a little too loud. Yeah, a little too loud. Yeah, a little too loud. 
Is that music I hear? Yeah, don't want to turn that shit down. Say get out. <laughs> so this magazine you had, this magazine was floating through the prisons and all of that? Yeah, heavy. Right? Heavy. I, I, I had 5,000 subscribers in the prison system. On, on here or in New York? All over right the country. Way. No shit? Yeah, all over the country. <coughs> Huh? What year was this? I started in December '99, but the official launch was January 2000. And I I did it from 2000 January 2000 to August of 2006 when I, this was like a, this is not going any further than it is no matter what effort I put in. You so know you what weren't saying? making money? No, I was making just enough to keep it growing, but. Not really to support a lifestyle. I'm listening to this shit and I hear them little noise in the background. Yep. Pissing me off. Yep. Yep. I thought that that juju was somebody's phone. Vibrating. And that's what I was thinking. Is it my phone? Because it's, I still hear it. You hear it? Yeah, that's somebody's shit. Is that the phone that's sitting on the floor at the door? No, it's That's bass. Oh, that's cool, but I, that, that ain't okay. gonna pick up now. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay, we'll start off right from where. Um, so officially it was January 2000 that it became, okay, we're going to do this magazine, but no one that was involved, which was, uh, my, 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 my ex of you know, many, many, many relations, many exes ago at that, you know, at this point, but, um, my ex and I, and a friend of ours, um, named Susan Hampstead, mm-hmm. we were the three that started this magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, the funds that came that were used to get the few pieces of equipment, you know, the programs and the uh, computers to do it. Once we decided this is what we were going to do, once it was determined that the intent of the first promo piece failed and people didn't pick up on the fact that it was a promo for an entertainment company, thought it was a magazine. It was mm-hmm. like, no, that didn't work out. It was like, well, wait, it, it did work out. So that that bread that we initiated came from we initially started with came from uh, older Jamaican gentleman, a friend of mine named Tyrone. Okay, who was a weed kingpin, and he got popped by the feds just before we started the magazine. But mm-hmm. my ex at the time was running his um, record label, his independent record label. Mm-hmm. You know, so he would hit her with uh, funds like you know every so every like ninety days or so he just hit her with a few hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. So he had just hit her before. He got locked, and once he got locked, he told her, "Well, take the money and transfer it from my account to your account, whatever this, and you know, get you know, move it out the way, or whatever have you." Mm-hmm. And so he he t- he just recently told me this, like maybe like six months ago, you know. Now this is in '99. He just recently told me this that he said, "Yo, I left I left her with three hundred thirty five thousand dollars." Oh wow, you had no clue about it. I had no idea, but it was not my business is it? that mm-hmm. she worked for the guy. You know what I mean? And we weren't together anymore. It was just two years after our relationship was over. You know what I mean? We owned mm-hmm. cars and home together, whatever, whatever. But, the, you know, other than that, we were just family. Yeah, you know so I mean? you guys just kind of just went your separate ways at that point then? N- no, this is at the beginning of Don Diva. Okay, yeah. wow. But when I when uh, when I ultimately left, when I left Don Diva, that's when I was like, you know, yeah, I'm, I don't want to continue to be entangled with this person going forth. Mm-hmm. So I immediately... Changed my number and everything, and you know that was that. Then a so month later, we started Hip Hop Weekly. Yeah, just walked away from it. There was nothing to it. The value in it was, it was the adventures of me. Anybody that knows, anybody who was around and saw me, saw it anywhere. If you saw it, you saw me. 
So what you saw in Don Diva was whatever I was doing, whomever I was hanging with, right? Mm -hmm. And when I, uh, you know, when I was doing what I was doing, um, every dime that came in went to the bare minimum of my maintenance and back into the magazine. Just, just to give it, just to give it this edge. This is this right here is called a perfect bound, right? Mm -hmm. Now, when I first started the magazine, shit, I had no idea. Perfect bound, saddle stitch. Saddle stitch is the one where you see it is folded, it's mm -hmm. creased end, sharp end. Mm -hmm. Just to go from that look mm -hmm. to a more official magazine look and give it this perfect bound, that was an additional three thousand dollars added to the cost of printing. And yeah, exactly. At that point, we weren't even doing more than fifty thousand magazines. But I was selling every single one of them myself out of my own hand. And I wrote 100% of the magazine 90% um, of the time. And that's Took a, every picture. And that's Did all the distribution that myself. From, that you just yes. walked away from it because I know what it's like to start something. I know the cost that goes into it, and I don't think people ever – they don't think about the exponential cost. They don't think about – because most know. people have never created anything. Most mm -hmm. people have only worked for other people. They've come to a building. They never thought about how did this building come to exist and how did the businesses within it become to exist. They don't think about that. It's, yeah, exactly. it's just here. So most people never had the experience of taking something from a thought to bring it to, to fruition. They never had that experience. So you can tell them anything mm -hmm. about how, how you got what you have. You can tell them anything because they don't know what the process is. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, I think people, they don't think about uh, just like websites, for example. Like we got about 10 different websites that we run and they don't think about how much that costs per month. They don't think about this. They don't think about that. It's just a lot of stuff that goes into it. So it's not just as cut and dry because it kind of pisses me off when people think, okay, you just got a podcast, so you just go somewhere every Wednesday and go talk and come home. No, it's a lot of work that goes into that through the week, and it's a seven-day-a-week thing. It's not just um, at that moment. It's a seven-day-a-week thing. So tell me, man, so you say you just walked away from it, man. Were there any regrets or anything? No, none. Bro, when I started Don Diva, I was fresh off the streets. I was, you know, my last few years in the street, I spent my time uh, picking up bread, uh, meeting the cat with a bag, in, in the gym three, four hours a day, uh, and, and reading four or five hours a day. My last four years in the game, that was So you was, was hood life. then, huh? Huh? You was hood? Yeah. I was on the block like every day. Like I, I had spots in different cities, and I was I'd go two blocks and be on blocks. I'll go out there and do twelve hours on the block with my crew. Everybody knows that. So you educated yourself? I educated myself. Mm -hmm. I read three thousand books since nineteen ninety five. That's deep, man. And have not been in nobody's prison. And I read everything. I'm what they call a polymath. I, I read everything. I study everything, every subject. Quantum physics, metaphysics, history, biology, chemistry, everything. everything. That's what I was going to ask you if you had any um, type of journalism background because the magazine was Doing very, Don Diva? Yeah, because it was very well written. I was doing Don Diva, but I've always had a, 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 an appreciation for writing. I've always had an attraction to it. In my, um, in my intro, um, I open up with, then it, just to put this into perspective, this is, this is my autobiography, right? Mm -hmm. Raised by Wolves. I began writing that as like a, a introspection when I decided I wasn't gonna, you know, sling drugs no more, mm -hmm. right? And I did it very suddenly. Mm -hmm. You know, I was home one day, I'd just come home off the street, and 
I was like, I was doing my thing in North Carolina, and I was living in in, in Atlanta. And I was like, you know what, man, I'm, I'm tired. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. It was 17 and a half years, three generations in. I think the streets have gotten enough of our blood, sweat, and tears. And so, you hadn't got cracked at that point? Mm-mm. See, so you escaped the game, man. I did indeed. You, you escaped. I'm what they call a statistical anomaly. Yeah, and that's a tale that very few people get to tell. You know, anybody Indeed. that hustled at the level that you did, because it's not like you was out there just moving zones. No, sir. You know what I mean? You was, no, sir. Doing I was some a big major voices. menace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and I came from a very organized system, so we were very, very systematic in our destruction. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, you know, when I kind of fall into this whole journalism thing, it all comes quite naturally. And it's like everything that I did before had especially uh, equipped me to be effective in doing that. So when I began writing this as my diary and just thinking about what I was going to do with the rest of my life and the self-help books of which I read every one that was created between 85 and 95, every self-help book there was, I read it. AT&T Connects, an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett or how the Yeah Yeah Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I don't just read it. I study it. I got books of my own that I've written in 
you know, response to the information I was taking because a lot of it said engage with the information, mm-hmm. you know, meaning you, you read something, it, it impacts you. you know, people highlight. Why, why do you highlight? You highlight because there's something about this particular sentence or statement that resonates with you. Mm-hmm. So instead of highlighting, write it. Write the phrase or the paragraph. I've written whole pages, several of them, because it resonated with me like that. And because I did that, and writing is a psychoneural, you know, activity, muscular activity, writing it imprinted it on my subconscious. It became me. So it wasn't just something I knew. It became something I did because I understood the connection between what's happening in here and what I'm doing in the world. Mm-hmm. Power. Most people don't you know I mean? don't can't register like that though. Most people don't learn and can't pick up that concept. It it it'd take you so long to even condition yourself to do that. Well, the thing is, I, I became aware of that, right? And it became first my unconscious, then conscious um, drive and motivation to figure out a way to share, expose what I had become exposed to, which was that information was the only thing that was truly gangster. Knowledge is the only thing truly gangster. Everything else is bullshit. Everything is bullshit, period. So I wanted to um, extend and expand the whole concept of gangsterism since I knew they were so so attracted to it, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's why Don Diva read the way they read. I wrote stories or articles in Don Diva in 2000 about the um, the chip and chip implantation and where the chip came from. You know, what the chip, who created it, what they created it for, and what it was then used for after the creator created it. I read that article. I actually read it. I remember, right. yeah, I remember reading that right. article. Right. That kind of information never makes its way to uh, those of us who will be most impacted by the lack of information. Mm-hmm. Right? So I knew there was a thousand, a million other me's out there who just needed to have somebody who understood that information and understood them well <clears> enough <throat> that they could convey the information to them and they can understand its relevance in their life. That's all. That is my purpose. That is mm-hmm. the reason I get up every day. It's the reason I open my mouth. Because that is most important. Now Without that, there's nothing. Here's the big problem today. The Let's way find you d- solutions, James. I'm trying to. Let's find but, solutions. And, and I'm going to give you one. Uh-huh. The problem with that is a lot of people in the hood today can relate to the way you explain things. And and certain things, they oh, he he thinking like this. He thinking, I don't understand what he's talking about. So they're not, oh, let me turn from this. Let me not. This. What do you mean? You mean because I, I'm not saying, you know what I'm saying? My nigga, like, check this shit out, my dude. Like, on some real shit, you got to think, son. When you going out there and doing the shit you're doing, you got to be like, yo, son, I'm going to go over here and get this motherfucking kitchen, bag, right? Kitchen, but I'm saying, like, when like you go that, get right that motherfucking there. bag, That's what though, I'm son, about. like, just understand something. Like, my nigga, I'm only talking the way I'm talking because I like to express myself in that way. But I'm from that thing like that, for real, though. Like, for real, though. So I know who to say what to and how to say it to him to make sure I don't just talk to him myself. That's talk. my man. Right? I, mean, I, I, say I, what I'm I want a motherfucker to underdig me. I done, I done woke him up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. But so I so get it. You yeah. get what I'm saying? Yes, yes, sir. yeah. I hey. mean, I, initially I didn't. So it was a lot of things that I put out there that I thought would resonate with people. 
And because, and this was the advantage to dogging myself like I did, you know, um, writing all the articles and doing all the distribution and setting up all the retail locations and, you know, just doing everything. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, realistically, you know, um, um, my partner, she handled, you know, the, the stuff inside the office. The, the business I generated being out on the street, she was there to receive that and manage that. And she was competent and responsible and capable of doing that, which is right. why after our relationship, I would continue to have anything to do with her. Because she had a practical purpose, and not for nothing, that's one of the main tenets of gangsterism. If you're around me, you serve a purpose. Exactly. Period. You could be my girl, my whoever, but you got to serve a purpose because I don't have time for people who don't serve a purpose. Exactly. I just don't have time for I may love you and everything, but you will rarely see me. The purpose people, will, they're the ones who have my time and attention because I got one mission. Get to the money. That's really what it was, you know? Mm-hmm. Get to the money and maintain the thing. Okay. That's it. Wow, well, you know, I, I want to go back to a part because you mentioned something this deep, man. You said that you were a third-generation hustler, man. And um, talk, let's talk about that a little bit because that's deep, man. So that was kind of like your family trade. You know you have some families there. In the, um, they may own 7-Elevens. They may own a chain of restaurants. You guys were into cocaine and heroin distribution. Cocaine and heroin distribution. Am I correct? That's right. Heroin primarily. Heroin, yeah. yeah primarily. So, now, so that means you guys probably go back to the late fifties and sixties with that three generations. 60s, that's right. That's right. Tell me about that. Who was the first 50s, one that kind of got off the boat? That because obviously, if people weren't getting cracked like that, and if you were able to elude capture for that long, that means you had a hell of a system. I mean, you know, it was a it was a different time. First of all, when we did the things we did, and y'all can relate to this, when we did the things we did back then in our neighborhoods, who gave a fuck? We can get away with a lot of shit. Nobody cared. And anybody who was unfortunate or foolish enough to interlope into our space, they were subject to those same rules. Now, if they were of a too lighter complexion, then somebody might come around asking some questions. But there was always one or two of them that had the okay to come in and you cop everybody else and bring it back to them. Mm. So the things that uh, were being done back then to the magnitude that my family was doing it, like it was happening in Harlem. I mean, you're talking about a time when there were maybe uh, half a million heroin addicts in America. Mm-hmm. 80% of them were in Harlem. Mm-hmm. This is a statistical historical fact. <clears throat> You know what I'm saying? Yeah, heroin you know, is a whole different animal, yeah, man. Yeah, a whole I, different animal. I always equate heroin, man, to the devil, and that's why I could never dabble in it, man, because there was zero. I equate it to Bear, yeah, the German was, pharmaceutical company that made it, wow. and patented it, and then sold it to people and told the doctors to tell the people that it was for headaches and stress, and people would go and get it over the counter. So and then was, people got strung out. It was and then they Michigan. made it illegal after creating a a demand for something that it, it adheres itself to your hemoglobin. Mm-hmm. So and you can't function without it. You figure because Oops. heroin is a different drug in the fact that it sticks to your receptors. That's right. So when you don't have it, it's almost like you're burning alive. So because right. most heroin addicts. They don't take heroin to get high. They no, take heroin they take it to, to get, get functional. To get functional. So when you that's right. So when you start out, my sister was a heroin addict. My first cousin, uh, four of my first cousins were heroin addicts. You know, like I grew up with it in my home, right? So I lived with this reality. I overstand it. 
from a, a, a very personal, you know, perspective, like for real, right? Running sores and ulcers the size of 50 cent pieces and shit like that. Motherfucker falling asleep, nodding off in the middle of your conversation. And you like, I'm hungry. You know, my mother then left to go handle her business and got me sitting with my sister to make sure that she don't go nowhere. You know what I mean? But she's a dope thing, right? When, when that, when you first started messing with it, right? You get you develop yourself what they call a little chippy, you know, right? So you're a weekend warrior, you good, you can function, you go out, you're actually getting high, mm-hmm. right? Uh, three, four times in, especially back then, we had a thing that was taken, you know, like I grew up on uh, 115th Street. I'm from 115th Street, 16th Street, 14th Street. 8th Avenue, 7th Avenue. Blue Magic was being sold right on the corner of my block. And that's your man. Um, Frank. The Frank Lucas. That's, yeah. That was his thing. Blue yeah, Magic. I know Frank. I knew Frank. So wow. And so it would be so much people on the corner copping and bopping. They used to have to run the bus down to Manhattan Avenue to get up past 16th Street and come back up to the avenue. There was that much activity. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's that's the the environment that these people were in and it was like that so for anybody not to get high back then i got one cousin that i know too that i knew for sure never messed around everybody else messed around right so now you got this this environment where these young people are coming up and they don't really know what heroin is actually doing you Mm -hmm. know i mean all they know is that this is the high and they're getting strung out at the four uses strung out you're strung you're stuck so it used to be you take it and you high. Then it's you take it and you not so high. But then it's you down here is your norm and getting high is your old norm. AT&T connects and old to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, 
Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now you're taking it just to feel as good as you used to feel before you started messing around with heroin. And that's where the overdose is coming and that's where the overdoses come in at. Um, Damn. It's Could really, they try to get high? Yeah, because it's really big in the Midwest. <laughs> and, um, oh, New Orleans has a huge oh, yeah. heroin product. You know, 50% they, of the people in New Orleans, before, I know before um, the Katrina thing, 50% of them were on heroin. Mm-hmm. That's huge. And they start as young as nine years old. Oh, yeah, man. They start as young as nine old. Yeah, yeah, man. Why, why do you think they're so cold? Like, this, like dope fiend larceny. Right, it's a level of larceny that is like unfathomable, bro. Like you, you won't even be able to get your mind around. Yeah, I, I know a little something about. Yeah, okay, uh-huh. right. Why do you think those young people in New Orleans are so cold-blooded and vicious? Some of y'all, see, if you don't tune into those places, you don't know how crazy some of the crimes that go on there with a pretty regular degree, you know, or a, great, a degree of regularity. Well, it's pretty easy right. when somebody it's needs their bad. fix. When somebody needs their fix, it's easy to tell a kid that's 12, 13 years old, hey, man, I'm going to give you this gram, but I need you to go in there and shoot all the motherfuckers in that room in their head. Man, shit. It's going to go get done. <laughs> that's done. Shit. Mm-hmm. That's done. Right back. Yeah, it, it's done. <laughs> come back. Come back. <laughs> It's still hot. <laughs> yeah, come on, let's go. Mm-hmm. All day. Teams of them. I, I used to talk to BG and all of them about this way back. 20 years mm-hmm. ago, I used to talk to them about this. Like, yo, like, because they was all fucking around. Oh, Damn. yeah, all of them. All of them. Little mother- Which, shoes. you know, not to get into the whole thing with Baby, because that's actually my man. You know, shout out to Bird. But, mean, that's my man. But that's how Bird was able to kind of keep them dudes at the place where they was at, because all of them, you know, Shit, all nigga, of them. If, I, if I'm, I'm good, I got I got some jewels on. I could bip anytime I want to, my nigga. Somebody else got my back and all that, nigga. I ain't never dreamt of nothing better than this. Are you kidding me? Hell, yeah, they was good. Yeah, you can get high whenever you want to. You know, you got a couple yeah. thousand in your pocket. You know, you yeah. got a car to ride around in. You can in. nod all this and there making sure you good. Because you the bag. Because I think a lot of people, <laughs> so you know, that's, that's some crazy shit. if you looked at BG back then, though, a lot of people thought that idea, was just the, sure. they thought that that was the New Orleans swagger to be just kind of just like mm-hmm. falling asleep doing an interview and they thought it was just a swag. No, them dudes was. Oh, they, they so cool. Yeah, they was nodding <laughs> off. You know what I mean? It was nodding off. They was on that, you know, on that. So you, you lived on the block watching all this shit. Yeah. Yeah. So how you didn't get in? I mean, what you had to to keep you away from all that? Um, to the degree I kept what you mean in terms of my own use. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, what I just said. Just watch sores and just the whole. It was nothing attractive about it. Nothing sexy about it. See, my generation got the opportunity to see what happens to the people who fuck with. Oh us. yeah, the right. AIDS man, the AIDS. No, um... this is before AIDS. Way before AIDS. <laughs> 
It's in the seventies. Wow, man! Yeah, but, but even then, before then, man, like you talk about the sores, we used to have them in um, Cleveland. They would walk around down 105, man. You would see the most beautiful black yes. women. Yep, my sister. That, my sister that, was beautiful. You know, just the most beautiful black women to be hookers. Like you used to walk down 105 and see these beautiful, like fine women, and they was just different back then because you had real pimping going on. So the girls was just really just. They was just fine. You know, they stepping out of a Mercedes or a Rolls Royce, and, they, you know, they man sent them down the block. But then you saw that go from that to where the pimp started getting more raggedy because he was on there. Yeah, nah. And then you see his girl, she kind of just wrangled up. Then you see that same dress she had on is raggedy, and she kind of walking like yeah. this. It's like they leaning, man. You know, you can see people lean on, on air. You see a whole bunch of people <laughs> leaning on air. Took that shit to another level. You know, a bunch of people leaning on air. They out there on 105 just like this, you know, and they just like this. You know, they running up to your car. you like, oh, no, and they got the things. And then I'm going to tell you, man, it hit hard in Cleveland, too, because it was one of them cities. I had a whole bunch of friends that got impacted by heroin and stuff. Just really, what man. What years are you talking about? This I'm talking about, man, like 85, man, 86, man. Just like I'm talking about young people, man. Just mm-hmm. and, and, you know, if you – it kind of went from the heroin – to the crack because you're talking about something that's easily attainable and it's a mass distribution and it's cheap. You can go get a fix of heroin for $2, man. You can get it for $2 real quick, you know what I mean? And you see me you going um, on the way to school, man. That's we, crazy. We would walk past this. You know you got all the vacant lots in the Midwest. You walk through, say, take shortcuts, right? You know, duck up under the fence, walk there. There's needles all over the ground yeah. because at nighttime you can just see the lighters flicking, man, a little music playing. They back there just getting wasted. And that's when the murder rate just, and I tell people, man, cocaine wasn't nothing like fucking with heroin, dude. Nothing. It, it's, nothing. it's no comparison. All over the man. world, bro. It makes cocaine look like you fucking with weed, dude. It, it, it comparatively. Well, give you the same, the, the same shit happens. Cocaine, take your ass down, you lose everything, just like heroin. Cocaine is just a... You mean users or sellers? Users, sellers, and everybody else. Everybody that sold cocaine, if they sold cocaine and got away with it for 10 years and went to prison or did whatever, when they come home, they don't have shit. That's right. They don't have nothing. That's right. Some motherfuckers sell dope all their life, right now in the day, and they ain't got bail money. They ain't got nothing. Mm-hmm. So, but it, but it's it's well it ain't it certainly isn't because there's no money in the business. It is because that be money in the it's, it, it's because people do not have any sort of financial education in our community. That's well, that's what it is. It doesn't matter what you give them. You know, my uncle, the leader of our family, man. This guy used to tell me. You said if you took every dollar and you distributed it evenly across the planet to every man, woman, and child, ninety percent of it would make its way back to its original owners. People are in the condition they're in because they don't know any more to do any better. And what you currently know can only take you as far as it's taking you. True. I believe that. Yeah, so let's go back to my question, man. Who was the first person off the boat, man? Who jumped out the car first as far as the hustler, man, that said, this is going to be our family trade, we're going to do it, we're going to do it well, and we're going to do it efficient? Uh, My mother, my uncles, um, to my knowledge, it was just something you guys did. So you just kind of just woke up. Kind of like I said, like the guys that may own a restaurant, a family restaurant, or have a business, this just was kind of something that you just adapted to naturally. Yeah. He was born so, into it. Yeah, mm-hmm. so if, if they had been, I say this in, in, in my book, I, you know, in Raised by Wolves, I, I say that if they had been locksmiths, I would have been a locksmith. Now, how I would have adapted the 
skills and the teachings that they gave me, you know, it could have went either way, but it would have been around that, right? So mm -hmm. if I was the guy that sold people the the plans on how you circumvent all lock systems, then, you know, that might have been an advent of my generational or, or, or neighborhood influence or whatever, you know? So they could have been legitimate locksmiths. Hold that thought real quick, man. Hold that thought real quick. What's up, Dave? We almost done, dog. We running behind. My bad, man. You call that gangster by nature, it's not by choice. No. I, was I thought the whole world was like my world, bro. Right. I thought the whole world was like my world. I was totally unfit for society, and I did not I'm know it. I'm gonna this read real quick. I got about this fucking read, man. Hold on real quick. We go back in this navigation, so let me pull it up. That read, we can't just add on to that, to the, into the, uh... Well, they want us to start doing it different. They got it, like, they want it, like, you know, within the show, instead of just being cut in, we we do it. We do the thing, you know. Go on, Allie. Well, we ain't gonna do it right right now. We what is that right you right. talking about? It, it, it's, it's a read. It's a commercial. Oh, I I, I That's need the some. money, man. You got to you got to get the money, man. Yeah, let me see. I need something that 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 uh. Catch my attention. I need something good to read. So All right. You wrote some good so try, try this on. This is my newest book, my fourth book. And you remember how I was saying that I, I engage with the books that I read. I write, like I read it, and whatever I think about it or feel about it, I, I write, write it about down. it. Yeah. I write my thoughts about it, or I write it itself or whatever. That had a lot to do with me being able to assimilate and, and, and incorporate the information. Not just be aware of it and be able to regurgitate it, regurgitate it or, you know, whatever, you know, but like to really become it, right? right. Like I'd become all the information I had gotten before that right. from wherever the fuck it came from, right? So this is something that I created after um, I started teaching in South Carolina in the prisons out there after they had that riot where the Seven Brothers got murdered back in 2018. And so uh, I was, I'm teaching violent offenders in maximum security prisons how to think critically. Because if I were able to get through 17 and a half years of blood, mud, and shit, and walk away alive, healthy, free, and functional, then there must be something. It, it wasn't the fact I carried two guns every day. Right. Never once did I ever say, man, it's a good thing I have my guns on me. That never happened. My guns never saved me. They were there, but they were a tool. And, I, you know, they, they, every job don't call for a hammer. Most jobs don't call for a hammer in that game, right? right. So. You know, um, I felt that if, if, if I could create a system, like you said, that they could relate to and it not put too much uh, of an imposition on their attention and their time, they could slowly get into it and start to see how having information, being right. exposed information right. would be useful. <clears throat> so this is what I came up with. So these are 50 of my quotes, right? These are 50 of my quotes. And... I write the quote, then I write the elaboration, basically the explanation of what it is I'm, I'm intending to convey with this quote. And the quotes come from my life experiences. They come from me being around my elders and constantly being in class and being expected to retain the information that they were giving me. So I'm talking about at like six, seven, eight, nine, ten. These, this, I'm being taught the tenets of gangsterism. Right. Right? So... Um, I'm expected to be able to 
respond to certain shit in a, in a way that says you've been paying attention. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot to keep track of. And, you know, there are no more dysfunctional motherfuckers than gangsters. <laughs> For real, bro. So their, their, their inappropriateness had no limits. You know, I'm a, a five-year-old kid, six-year-old kid sitting in after-hour spots, and motherfuckers are talking to me like I'm a midget or something. <laughs> like, you don't recognize I'm a child, right? So um, I am trying to keep track of these lessons, you know, and I just, as a response, and wanting so badly to belong, I created a system where they would say something to me, and I would take it and turn it into something rhythmic, you know, and short to basically, like, put a pin in that. So whenever I found myself in a situation where, you know, something like this piece of information, that piece of information that I got from them would be useful, my subconscious automatically accessed that quote, and then it was like, boom, hit the quote, and boom, 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 this is what you do. I didn't recognize that that was happening. Yeah. I didn't recognize that was happening until I started immersing myself in you know, psychology and behavioral science. So you just evolved. That's what and, it sounds like. You just evolved. I, I evolved to the understanding of how we work. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So much of what we do is not what we think it is. Consciously. You get that there. You know I mean? So do me, if this is something that I do when I introduce this book to people. I say, AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. 
I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Open it. Just arbitrarily pick a space and just open it up and see what quote it opens up to. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, it's a gangster's prerogative to hide his hand. <laughs> the path of, of uh, least resistance usually leads to the point of most regrets. Deep. Right? So when somebody reads that, the purpose of that other page opposite it is for them to, you know, of course you, you, you can either read my elaboration what I intended for to be conveyed, or you can make your own and then compare yours to mine and, you know, kind of learn from, you know, what you're being exposed to, how it's impacting you and, you know, <clears throat> how to incorporate some more of this, you know, understanding this you're right. being exposed to. And, but they don't know, they don't know that that's what's happening. Because I didn't know that's what was happening until one day I heard myself responding to somebody in a way that I was like, who the fuck is that? Where'd that come from? I don't know where that came from. And, and I recognized that was what I was doing. And, wow. and that's, that's what you do in school. The only thing is they give you what they want you to know to make sure that you're a good assimilated worker and not somebody who's going to be a critical thinker and, and operate autonomously in the system, right? Yeah, exactly. That, right? Exactly. Well, you know, I, I want to take this time out real quick, man, to give a shout-out to our boy, Ray J, man. Um, Ray Khan earbuds, man. You got yours in the mail, right, James? Oh, yeah. I, I wear mine all the time. Yeah, the yeah, you know, it's like it's one of those things, man, that whether you're working from home or you're working on your fitness, man, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not what your girlfriend listening to your roommates. Everybody needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you go drop hundreds of dollars on a pair, you need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. You already know Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market. And if they sound just as amazing as the other top brands, you know, I'm not talking about the Beats by Trade. that's going to cost you a bunch of money. I'm talking about real high-quality stuff, man. The newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are the best ones yet. With six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise-isolating fit. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable, perfect for conference calls or benching podcasts. You know, like this one, man, I use these, man, when I'm actually um, editing the show, man, to get everything nice and tight. And unlike some of the other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet with no dangling wireless or stems to distract anyone during video calls. Now, you heard me talk about how the company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Cardi B, and all them, man, they're obsessed with these Raycons. You need to pick up a pair and see what the hype is about. Now... I got a hookup for all the Gangster Chronicle fans out there. It's the time to get the latest and the greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash TGC101. That's buyraycon.com slash TGC101 for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash TGC101. And tell them Big James sent you. And he going to fuck you up if you don't put them on. <laughs> Damn, you didn't have to put that. All right. But, um... Flawless execution, by the way. Oh, man. Yeah, after a while, like that. You, after you, a while, you, get, you, you know what I'm saying? You get used right. to it. because you, you know they, they, You become proficient at that which you practice, brother. Yeah, exactly. That, see, that's really what everything we're talking about. That's, that's what, what I need, to. man. I just, I, I, I need help in, in I, I, 
I'm just so used to talking street. I'm so used to understanding only that. But I try to I was there. identify with how you talk and, and listening. I'm, I'm absorbing it, but, man, I, I, I get what you're saying, but I just can't. All right, I'm going to tell you now that this point that I wanted to finish before I speak to that, right? If you practice any behavior, mm-hmm. you become better at that behavior. When people improve in things, it typically adds to their sense of worth, which makes them more inclined to do it because that's what ultimately drives human beings, mm-hmm. a sense of value, validation. Exactly, and right. a lot of times when we improve upon those areas, we actually don't know us because I tell James all the time, I go back and I listen to the earlier episodes, right? Mm-hmm. And I laugh, you know, I have a thing, man. I say, listen, listen to James, man, he don't want to talk. He's not saying a word. But I see this, you know, <laughs> I've seen him go from the point of doing that to actually pull off episodes by itself, and they some of our best performing episodes. So you do pick up that stuff, brother. I was, I was so gangbangish. I couldn't write no other way but in gang writing. I got a quick story. I'm up at Death Row at the office, and we got exotic cars and all kind of shit, right? So mm-hmm. we at the office, phone ring. I pick up the phone, and I'm writing, you know, a message. So I'm, so the dude come in, I say, yeah, you got a message here. So he looked. What the fuck is this? Hieroglyphics. I'm talking about. I'm hitting up like, like mm-hmm. that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. My cursing, I didn't do none of it. I had to actually sit down and get myself back to, like, writing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was just so far into being a gang member. You came, uh, you came a proficient gang shit. member. Right. For me, yeah. it was a uh, graffiti. I saw I, graffiti I, in the 70s, I right? I couldn't get mm-hmm. under that and, shit. And, bro, like, you, you couldn't make out anything of what I was writing. Like, I, schoolwork was all written graffiti. And I like to write. That's why I was, uh, when I first referenced my, my book and my intro, mm-hmm. uh, you asked about the, uh, the, the writing thing, you know, um, something about, you know, the, like, how did I become, you asked about the journalism thing and basically mm-hmm. how I became proficient in the, the writing or whatever have you. But mm-hmm. I'd always had an attraction to writing. I was one of those kids where the teacher said, we got a writing assignment there. And I'd be like, yeah, everybody was like, oh. And I never understood why. But I didn't understand that their uh, feelings about things were different from my feelings about things, mm-hmm. right? Totally. So um, I'd always, always liked writing. And when I began writing this as my journal, I began with my earliest memory, right? Whatever my earliest memories were. So it was just random things I remember. So I was just writing them, just writing them. And I wrote about when my first grade teacher told me that I could be a writer. And I totally forgotten about it until that was first grade. So how old are you in first grade? First grade, I think six, six, six in the first grade. All right, so I was five in the first grade, mm-hmm. right? Um, 25 years later, I remembered that. I hadn't thought about that ever at all. I remembered that when I was sitting there writing, figuring out my life, where I'm going, and just beginning at the beginning for myself. And I'm writing about this period in my life, and this comes out of me without me having a conscious recall of it. It's just... That's what I'm saying. I'm writing the psycho neuromuscular activity. This mm-hmm. shit, it was just happening. It was just coming out. Things I had forgotten. Shit I had subverted. We hide a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Anything that goes against the preferred narrative we have of ourselves, whether mm-hmm. it's we bad or we tough or we kind, anything that does not fit in that narrative that actually happens in real life, we, over time, will rewrite that 
or completely erase that shit from our conscious mind. Mm -hmm. That's how we, as human beings, as mammals, that's how we basically survive. Yes, natural adaptation. As many suicides it would be, we couldn't do that. Yes, natural adaptation. That's right. You know, you selectively just sometimes just have stuff in your memory. Just you ever notice when you have cognitive dissonance, you'll go crazy. Yeah, you ever notice when you go back home? Sometimes you'll go back to certain places and they'll bring you to a point. I remember, man, I had this dude. It was a dude, Leon. Leon was about man. You remember they wouldn't? They would hold people back Mm -hmm. from high school back in our day. This Mm -hmm. dude was actually about like probably eighteen years old, and we were like. Seventh grade or something like that, but he was a grown ass man sitting at the desk with beer stubble, a big swole motherfucker. Man, I remember that dude. Man, he would punk everybody. He was eighteen, and <laughs> man, he was about eighteen. He was about eighteen. How that was even allowed is ridiculous. You know, I, shit. I remember Y'all seeing that. Call me, I'd have told him to quit, motherfucker. Come over here and hang out with me. Right. <laughs> and he, right. was, he probably been over there with you, but I remember, quit. man. It's over at that time. Seventh grade, eighteen years old. I guess his mama said, "So you stop going to school, you can get the hell out of here." I remember, man. <laughs> anyway, I was walking past this gone. liquor store. I was back at the house, right? And I was back walking past, you know, the little hood store that's been there forever, right? Same dude still working there and everything. I remember walking past there, and that dude Leon had embarrassed me that day in school, man. I was talking to this chick, Michelle Morgan. And he just came, walked past me and slapped the shit out of me, like from the side. And I was so mad, man. And so I thought about that the whole day. I said, I'm going to get this motherfucker. Because you know how you get embarrassed? I had a lunchbox. And I remember, man, I saw him out there smoking weed, hitting his little weed outside the store. And I went and cracked his ass and he held my lunchbox. And everybody kind of paused. And that motherfucker did like this. And blood squirted. Everywhere out of his head. And then it's like, man, every kid in the neighborhood just started piling on this motherfucker. Because once they saw me take off on him. Wounded animal. Yeah, everybody start, just started taking off on his ass. And I was walking by the store and I remembered that. And I hadn't thought about that in years. And I was like, this is what we whooped Leon's ass at that day. And it wasn't but, no more ass was after that. But, yeah, but, but let me ask you this. Why do you think you remember Michelle's first and last name? Because Michelle lived behind me like you know our backyard is right here her backyard was right there and we would sit on top of the garage and talk to each other all the time oh so y'all had a relationship yeah and that was my home you know independent of school yeah it turned out to be i used to think i liked her but she turned out to be just a really good friend of mine a girl that's a friend you know a friend of mine this Mm -hmm. day she hit me up on facebook she married to the homie and they got kids and stuff and we, you know, we friends, but you know, you think you got a crush on somebody. And she like, no, you're my friend. I can't, you know what I mean? I got put in the friend zone real quick. You know what I mean? So, Zoned them. So we just became friends, man. And she was just real cool people. You know what I mean? She was just real cool people, man. And um, it's funny, man, that the human mind is something else, man. And it's like, I've had a big education on psychology, man, just as far as doing this, man. And, um. Uh, that's one of my gifts is to be able to just deal with people on where they at. I never get mad. I get upset. I deal with people where they are. You uh, you uh, you have empathy. Yeah, you, you, only empathy can give you that give you that kind you, of you, real you, depth. You, you have to. All the training in the world can't can't replace empathy. You, you, have, you have to have empathy though, man, because there are some people they just are who they are, man. And That's I'm right. gonna tell you, once somebody I think is the age by the time you're 25 or 30, dude. Whoever you are, you can change. Don't get me wrong, but you, you can still, evolve and grow. You, you can evolve and grow. I don't know if we can change, but, but if we evolve and grow, then what the world knows of us as us changes. Because mm-hmm. I'm I'm still the same person. I'm still the same person. 
I've just evolved to a person who has so many more um, options and recourse that I don't have to, like the hammer is the last thing I think about. It's the last thing. Well, well that's the thing, man. And I noticed, man, by me always being physically bigger than everybody, I learned very quickly, man. You know, I could go out there and squab a motherfucker up. Yep. But I had friends that was my size that was playing that bully shit that was getting yep. gunned down. Yep. So I learned to be more of a, um, no, I wouldn't back down from no shit. If a motherfucker mm-hmm. wanted to knuckle up, we could knuckle up. Mm-hmm. But I would rather be the type to talk some shit out. You know, yep. like, you know, hey, man. What's going on? Like, what's the problem? Like, right. let's let's find out what the problem is. And right. if we got to fight, we got to fight. Right. That's right. But what's the problem? But I've learned, man, that... Um, AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation. I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. People that are gangsters, man, I would rather deal with them over 90% of the so-called civilized society because one thing about a gangster, if he gives you his word about something, that's what he's going to do, and he's going to remain. Most most people, like 90%. like if they're, to, if they're true to the nature of that thing you speak of. Exactly. All of those. If they're true to it, man, their word is going to be their bond, because man. Because that's what it is. You can call them at 12 o'clock at night, that's and if they're there, they're going to be there and it's cause, right. because it's important for them to carry on, to have their word. Their word is everything, and their name is their name. You know what I mean? So 
Everything else is passing through or borrowed. That right there, that'll stick with you. So if your name is good, you can have it all, lose it all, name and get it back. But if your name ain't shit and you have it all and you lose it all, you won't get no opportunity to get your shit back because motherfuckers remember your name. Exactly. And I try to make it in, um, even with me, I try to. It's a thing with me. I, I have. You could have said him. Say yeah, it. I have a thing, man. With um, sometimes I, I like to manage people's expectations, because sometimes people would try to force you in position to do something they want you to do, and they get mad because I may not necessarily be biting for it. But I became very proficient at looking ahead of things, of being kind of um. Kind of three steps, you know, six, seven months down the line of where I see. That's I, critical thinking. Yeah, I can't do this right now because it's not going to turn out right. If it don't turn out right nine times out of ten, you'll be mad at me. So let's wait until I'm in position. So when I give you my word, it actually means something. You you get what I'm saying? Right. Well, so basically, and, you don't let somebody put you in a but, position where you're going to be, where you can potentially be undermined. Yeah, just exactly. They want to hear something right now. Yeah, a exactly. man can never be put in a position to do something when he don't want to do that's it. That's right. You, that's only by choice. If you right. choose to do that, then you accept all the all the back ends and all of that other shit that come with it. A man yeah. going to be a man. My grandfather told me, what you tell this man and what you tell that man, your word is everything. That's right. If I say I'm going to fucking roll that's with right. you, I'm rolling that's with it. you. Yeah, exactly. That's it. No problem. Nothing that's else it. should be said. No mm-hmm. small print. Don't have to question it. That's it. So... That's what you go. That's what we go off of. And we saying the same thing, brother. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, we, we were but saying the same everybody thing. don't possess that. Everybody mm-hmm. don't understand that logic. That's, that's well. The thing is, we have had experience enough at this point beyond our developmental stuff to know that um, that is the majority of humans. And I think a lot of us having what we have, the way that we do, uh, those of us that are of the thing that we are, yeah. And, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we were made to understand the consequences for anything else are extremely severe. Have you ever been put in a situation that that made you want to go back or revert to how you used to get down? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But like I said, the toolbox is much more full now. Yeah, when I first left it. the street and, and stumbled into this Don, D, this Don Diva thing, um, I didn't... I had a very naive perception of, of the world, right? So I thought that squares followed all the rules and their lives were governed by rules. And they <laughs> That's what I really thought. That's not true. That's not true, Literally, man. Them the worst motherfuckers no, it is. I had no clue. I had no mm-hmm. clue because I never dealt with them. I never mm-hmm. interacted with them. So I didn't have any clue. I didn't have no clue about that, and it didn't matter to me. You know what I'm saying? So at the point at which I got into the space where I'm dealing with these people, um, I have these unrealistic expectations, right? So uh, I, I'm dealing with uh, Def Jam or Universal or whatever the labels were back then or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And um, we're doing this 30 net thing. So for people who don't know, 30 net and you're in the magazine business, it's like, okay, the advertiser, your client, they will um, run an ad in your publication. Mm-hmm. And 30 days after that ad hits the market, they pay you for it. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I'm, I'm busting my ass to mm-hmm. get this thing, you know, going, keep it going, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm writing under 12 pseudonyms, you know, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so people don't think it's as small as it is. Mm-hmm. And so when it's time for me to get my money, you know, old habits prevail. I still want my money when I want my money. And I want my money when it's supposed to show up. 
because yeah. you told me that's what you exactly. do. So I told you I would put the magazine, uh, the ad in this particular magazine. It would come out at this particular time. It, I did, and it did. I did, as we just said. I kept my word as expected, especially for you squares, right? Y'all follow all the rules, right? So I did my part. So that check <laughs> is as good as in the mail. 35 days later, my check ain't there. Oh, yeah. I'm like, yo, what's up? Yo. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, uh, fuck all that. This is Kavari, man. You, where's my check at, bro? Kavari, every, everything's... No, where's my check at? It's 35 days. And I know they're going, this motherfucker's crazy. What the fuck? Like, how mm -hmm. you think this... I got no idea, no idea how it works. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking you guys do everything on time and right. I'm so glad I'm not in the street no more. I ain't got to bust nobody in the head and, you know, try to figure out motherfucker fuckery and all that. Whatever. This is the, these are the naive thoughts I'm having. Mm -hmm. So I'm on the phone. It's like, you're trying me. You got millions of dollars. So you must be trying me. So my old instincts are, let me let me let you know where the line is before you get a toe across that motherfucker and lose the leg. Let me let you know. And it took my man, Jeff Dixon, who is responsible for Ludacris's career mm -hmm. from my hood, to tell me, you gotta, you gotta slow down. You yeah, you gotta slow down. down. They will blackball your ass. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm like, yo, you know I shoot straight, bro. Like, I don't bullshit nobody, and I've never accepted it from other people. I give to people what I want, and I don't make no exceptions. From princes to paupers, I treat people like people. I treat them like I would want to be treated, mm -hmm. period. So it took some, you know, one thing, another thing about gangsters, gangsters are very sensitive. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> highly sensitive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't 100%. mean in a sissified way. Oh, no. I mean highly attuned to bullshit in the slightest degree. Mm -hmm. And those of us who are... Uh, committed we are very preemptive about bullshit so yeah, it goes zero like to 60 in a minute in a second in a to second. save your fucking life mm -hmm. because you seem to be entertaining the idea of going down a dark path and changing the trajectory of both our lives let's not do that let me let you understand something right now all the motherfuckers that you love they love you too don't undervalue that shit i'm committed are you committed mm -hmm. i'm ready to go i live for you that's what you want you want me to live for you i live for you that kind of commitment has always been rare. We have <laughs> always been rare. You know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. for real, for real. You know, so it, it, this, this this whole thing about, uh, all, you know, everybody's gangster and everybody's a shooter. And a, this is mass insanity, bro. Mass insanity. Ain't no way in the motherfucking world that that particular genetic trait is suddenly everybody got it the fuck out of here. Yeah, Everybody right. don't got it. Everybody is doing it. Everybody's doing uh, it. And then when they got to deal with the consequences, that's when they be, oh, wait a minute. That's that's actually not me. And you see it every day because they break down crying. That's right. That's they get that 40 years, see, they cry. One kid on, 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 the, on Instagram, that one kid, he's about 6'4". Oh, yeah. About 6'4". Yeah. And, and he's standing there, you know what I mean, chest out. What? The judge, and the what? judge said, two years. And, and he what? said, what, what, what he said? Now your lawyer is standing the same distance you standing from the judge. He, he heard you heard the, the same thing. Yeah. He said, "You can ask him what he say." You don't hear him. He said two, two years. years. I'm up said, oh, "Oh, yeah," and folded like a shirt to Chinese laundry man. But <laughs> yeah. now anything he knew, they know. Yeah, two years. Period. Should know. But I bet you his big ass was giving him the business on the street though. But she had a big old silver wide stripe down his back when he was running around the motherfucking street. Like you know what? Back. I watch. I'm a very big fan, big fan of 48 Hours. 
Oh, <laughs> Lord have mercy. That's the running joke. Ninety percent of the cats that That's walk right. in there could have went home that night. Yep. Mm -hmm. But they don't because I know it's weighing heavy on your chest, brother. <laughs> Come on and talk to me. Go and get it off your chest and be done with it. <laughs> Motherfucker, do you know if I tell you what happened, I ain't going home? But they, they just they tell. See that mm -hmm. that what see I, that in the in the clinical space they call that cognitive dissonance. It's believing two things that are the opposite of one another to be true. Right? That I can be honest in this situation mm -hmm. and go home. Yeah. And you know why they're so susceptible to that shit? Because they are not AT&T connects and old to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.